Welcome everyone. This is the I'm Speaking Podcast, hosted by Mercy Hernandez and Priya Namard. Our goal is to uplift voices everywhere by empowering women and youth and by building a better global community. The I'm Speaking Podcast is inspired by the Edge Charitable Foundation. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the hosts and do not reflect that of the benefactors or sponsors. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is the I'm Speaking Podcast. I'm Priya. And I'm Mercy. Welcome. Welcome. Today's topic is climate change and how it affects poor and disenfranchised communities, otherwise known as climate justice and environmental justice. We are talking about this topic today because it is near and dear to our hearts because of the edge, but we wanted to kick it off by telling you what climate change is. Climate change is a change in global and regional climate patterns, and it's largely due to the CO2 emissions that we have in the atmosphere and how that affects everything around us. Right. Um, so we are talking about this topic today because the Edge Charitable Foundation was founded on the mission of teaching environmental awareness. Mercy, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about how we started? Absolutely. So the Edge, uh, aside from environmental awareness and the actual name of the Edge, which is an acronym, the Edge stands for the Early Development of Global Education Charitable Foundation. And because it's so long, we <laughs> have the acronym of the Edge. Yep. And so it has to do with climate change, with awareness, and with our social responsibility. And a big part of it and a big motivation and uh, inspiration in developing and coming up with The Edge was the 2007 documentary, which later won a Nobel Peace Prize, which was called An Inconvenient, An Inconvenient Truth, An Inconvenient Truth by Al Gore. So at our very core with The Edge, when we began, our goal was to teach environmental awareness to preschool children so that at a basic age, when they were learning how to tie their shoes or brush their teeth, they were also learning their social responsibility to have a better tomorrow. Absolutely. So we, our mission really led us um, on this journey of of working with children from all parts of the of, of the world and we started in south florida we started with a curriculum and standards to for schools to green their schools but it slowly became a mission of in addition to helping children um, learn about environmental awareness we were also helping children who were facing humanitarian crisis things like you know if they were in need of clothes or food or school materials and it started with a school in India, Sunil's home. Correct. Sunil's home was brought to us by um, a bunch of amazing people in South Florida through a contact in Bank of America. Remember that meeting? <laughs> I remember that, yes. Gosh, I remember that. It yeah, seems like 100 years ago. I know, it was one of our first meetings. We were, you know, we were try trying to learn about funding and how to request funding and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And the woman we met with referred us- Maria. Mar oh, you remember her name? Maria. Maria, that yep. was her name. She referred us to Matthew Meehan and okay. yep, and his partner, Rod Hildebrandt. Correct. And um, both of them, along with a group of people, were had, had worked with a gentleman in India. His name was Sunil. And they started uh, this orphanage to help children 
so the town that this the orphanage um, is in is in southeastern India and it's not far from the Chennai airport and it had a large plot of land and uh, it was enclosed so the children were able to run around and do activities within the orphanage but we had sent them our curriculum our environmental awareness cu uh, curriculum and mm -hmm. they used it and they applied it to their own experiences so yeah, in addition to learning about recycling and conservation they thought about how climate change and environmental resources were being used in india in their where they lived in their region yes. and i remember that and correct me if i'm wrong because this again feels like 100 years ago they cleared out their entire land where it was mainly garbage they would throw out the garbage is just i think the way that they um disposed of it would be that they just kind of put it in a pile in the back and stepped on it and created their own landfill. Okay. Uh, and so instead what they started doing was they started creating compost and they started gardening and becoming self-sufficient with that uh, only because they were going through step by step of our curriculum, which was so, um, I don't know, so heart filling for us. So I, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. Well, in India, it's a huge problem. I mean, outside of the orphanage, it's everywhere in India. It's a problem where people just drop garbage wherever they are. And that, that also has to do with, in addition to education, economic situation in all the different towns and, and uh, parishes within India. Um, and, and knowing that if they're just littering where they are, this garbage gets into their water, it gets into their soil and affects everything that they do. Um, not, to, not to mention that they had a huge issue, I recall, with snakes. You remember yes, that? But I don't know. Yes. So. It's Sunil's home. That was a big issue. And when they turned it around and they were disposing of, they were doing compost in a separate area and they had cleared out that land, all of a sudden it became an open land that was safer for the children to go out and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously in India, like many developing countries, they had to clear off the brush and and forestry and and trees and just you know natural naturally preserved land in order to create housing and right. in the process of doing that you displace animals um, that right. live on that land so those snakes obviously were there because they're like ah, da, da, da. <laughs> this is part of my house and i smell food i think i don't right. think snakes can smell sure. but hence food um, so of course they were there for that reason, but I think once they took care of the compost, um, composting area and they really set it up properly, it really helped them to figure out what to do with the snakes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but the, it, it, the Sunil's home orphanage snowballed into now we're helping, um, children in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Puerto Rico, uh, Kenya. Mm -hmm. What am I missing? <laughs> I feel like there was so much more. Goodness. Um, Oh, no, I think you said them all. Yeah, I think you said them all. It was well, Central America. We had a couple of places. We had the islands and then um, Kenya and India. And, I and of course, and of course, here in South Bay and in Florida, uh, we were helping the preschools in the area. And the preschool that we had back in the time uh, became one of the first uh, preschools. There was a green preschool, an eco-friendly preschool, to which we received the flag from Congresswoman back then, Eliana Ross Layton, and she sent us a flag from Washington. It was a, a beautiful moment. 
Yeah, I remember that that event we had in the back of the school, just to acknowledge that the school was the first green preschool right. in Florida, and I would like to say nationally. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Um, but it was such a uh, climate change, environmental awareness, global warming were all really important things to us to teach these children because children at a young age, up until eight years old, it's, it's considered early childhood, their, their brains are like sponges, and that's yes. the time to really get them <clears throat> and to really uh, share this information, the science, and just uh, new ways and habits of doing things. So when they Absolutely. get older, they are, are functioning adults. They're socially responsible, functioning adults um, and teenagers growing up that know the importance of protecting the environment. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and you know, the goal at the time and still a goal, I, I think that we accomplished with many of those children on our own was to make it part of part of their DNA, part of that, um, the cloth, the, the weaving of, of their DNA. Like it, I'm trying to find the right words. Um, <clears throat> we taught our own personal children and some of those children that participated that it was our core responsibility to take care of the environment. That's the bottom line of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so that's, that's how important environmental awareness is and has been to us all along. Yeah. And I think today is more relevant than ever. And as time goes by, it becomes a bigger and bigger issue because we're just not doing enough. And a huge example of that are some of the topics that you and I were just speaking about recently, which included, uh, Hurricane Maria and the disaster uh, that's still impacting all of the, the town today due to it. And you had some, some information on that as well, Priya. Yeah, so Hurricane Maria was definitely um, a huge environmental uh, disaster. Obviously, it's a natural disaster, but <clears throat> there are more hurricanes than there ever been before. Mm -hmm. I think this year, this past year in 2020, we actually got through the whole al alphabet. <laughs> oh yes oh, and then we had to start over again we started again yes so that is not a normal thing no. we usually get halfway three halfway through or like two-thirds way through and that's it right. but we but made then it 2020 all... wasn't normal so. yeah 2020 <laughs> was not normal but that's also a sign of things are shifting our climate yes. is shifting our atmosphere is shifting so although, go ahead although i would love to add that 2020 because so many people were home and because less transportation was being used and less office space was being used, et cetera, et cetera, we did see uh, the sky clearer than we had in so long at a worldwide level. We could see stars at night. There was definitely less smog. Uh, it, it did make a difference. And it's, it's to show you how much of the damage is man-made, yeah. if not all. It, it, that was a huge plus. So, I mean, the pandemic it has been awful on all fronts, but that was a huge plus to everybody being home because there was no pollution. There right. was very little pollution. Very little, and yes. You had the canals in Venice with animals returning. Mm. Um, you have a smog clearing in China and in LA. Like, mm -hmm. there's just an immense improvement in our in everything, in our resources because Absolutely. we weren't moving around, unfortunately. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it's probably gonna go back to being bad again, because once the pandemic is over and everybody's out, forget it, you know. So let's hope that, that some learned, you know, that we could really make a difference. 
we'll see because now the biggest problem is the masks those masks are everywhere they're all over the in the water um all over the street i have masks blowing into my yard <laughs> like it's ridiculous Terrible. yeah you know, we have ours are all cloth we wash them we dry them um our straws are all um we take them with us and they're all reusable so it's the little things i think it it's the little it things that add up so it's unfortunate that not everybody thinks forward like that. Like, you know, before they go out, they grab the reusable mask and the reusable straw. Not everybody thinks like that, the reusable bag. Um, so there's a lot of educating to do. Climate change has affected poor and disenfranchised communities immensely all over the world. It's not a local thing in the United States. It's all over the world. It's affecting a lot of communities and in different ways. So according to the UN, and I'm gonna read this, read this off, Mm -hmm. there's a higher chance of exposure and vulnerability due to the lack of resources because of climate change. Number two, there's an increase to damage because of these natural disasters happening more often. Um, and number three, there's a de decrease in the ability to cope and recover from damage suffered. So meaning they don't have the resources to pick, to pick back up and fix, you know, for example, yeah. that hurricane like Hurricane Maria, there's and the still, infrastructure of, of electrical work, of water supply and demand. Yes, there's still very little being done to, to help those people. And you think about Haiti, look how long Haiti took. I mean, earthquake yes. is, is underneath the mantle, obviously. It's not a man-made thing. Correct. But think about how, how long it took them to recover because island is not considered a first world island. It's correct. It's at all because I'm sure it, it just never has gone back to where it was. Exactly. Exactly. So um, it, it's, it's important we talk about this topic because everybody talks about the polar bears, the penguins, right. um, turtles. And tigers, the exactly. The tur turtles, you see them with the, with the, the six can ring plastic thing. Yes. All those things are very important. We, we yes. talk about the trees and the deforestation, um, but there's also uh, human, um, uh, what's the word? When there's a human, there's, it. yeah, there's, there's also a human cost to climate change right. and unfortunately affects people who don't have the money and the resources. Um, the one famous one that you all know about is Flint, Michigan. It's a town right. in Michigan that was dealing with uh, water resources, uh, very poor water resources, contaminated water. It was coming out of the Spouts Brown and th this town years later is still dealing with this. I mean, to the point where the government wasn't assisting nearly as enough, enough as it should have been and should be doing. So outside companies had to come in, celebrities came in and brought clean water, like it was a third world country. And these are people who live in poor communities, but they're mostly black and brown communities. What does that say? What does that say about us, country? Yeah, we have the resources in the country. If we have resources to send um, millions, and millions of dollars to the defense fund, trillions of dollars to the defense fund, why don't we have the resources to send to Flint, Michigan to fix the water system? Right. Where's the disparity there? Right. Um, so, so things like access to clean water, decrease in food security, um, the health effects effects of climate change are tremendous, the destruction from fire, famine, flooding, the three Fs yes. um, that we've been talking about, unbearable heat waves, and harsh winters. Like these are all the things that climate change <clears throat> is causing. 
and hotter summers because I know I know you're feeling the colder winters but in Florida we're feeling those hotter summers I mean our summers in in August it, there's no hurricane coming well that's a good thing but still it's over 100 degrees mm -hmm. and if it's not 100 degrees it feels like 100 degrees and then oh, it's just it's awful how hot it is I think about what Australia just went through with their fires and California the fires are just getting worse and worse every year yes and and in California, some of these communities are affluent communities. They have money. Think about the communities that don't have money. Right. That can't, don't have the insurance to fix their house, don't have the resources to find a hotel and, you know, live in a hotel for a little bit. Um, right. And then and the first, right. And, and the American Red Cross and FEMA only do so much. I mean, they have the rest of their lives to deal with this now. So sometimes they get a little bit of help, but the reality is it's just life changing. It is. It is. And you even lived through a natural disaster, Hurricane yeah. Andrew, years sure. and years oh, ago. Um, yeah. And that was only, that was an oddity. Hurricane Andrew was a, a, a category five storm. And that really yes, it was. was back in 92. Yep. And, and we really, and we don't, and we see that more often now. We see the hurricane fives more often now. There's a reason for that. And that's climate change. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's our responsibility. It goes back to social responsibility. And so of course, it's not that we can control it all and it's not that it's all based on our actions. Um, it's a combination of, of our actions with time and, and just how, how our universe is evolving, right? Because we know that, that Earth just shifts and changes our natural so many times but there are so many things that we can do that we can take responsibility for that will either slow down some of it or will avoid some of it and that's the crucial part and if we're unable to do our part in avoiding what we can avoid then at least let's do our part to help those that are affected by by circumstances at least that's how i feel about it yeah and that's what the edge does in essence we help people who who don't have the resources and right. we pull together resources from the community and our partners and our volunteers and we, we try our best to help those people we become that bridge so that the underprivileged can can have you know a part of a part of everything that everybody else does but there's so many communities around the world um, i think about deforestation in in madagascar our friend maria mayor dr yeah. maria mayor she's a climatologist she's done a lot of research there there's so much deforestation in Madagascar and it has such a rich, diverse um, uh, a species population that you don't see anywhere else in the world. But because oh of the deforestation, the soil has become really um, um, poor. And I guess the word is arid, like it's become really poor. And, right. and they're doing that because they're expanding, the population is expanding and they're expanding right. towns and farmland. And, and so the same thing just happened recently in Brazil. It wasn't yeah. that long ago, remember? Yes. With, uh, Amazon. Yes. Right before, yeah, that was like one big thing after another rolling into 2020. You know, Brazil, right. there were so many fires and fires that were man-made, mind you, because- Yes, and it took social media to actually go on an uproar for them to actually stop. Yeah. Because nobody was stopping it. It was quite crazy. Yep, that, that was a, a man-made environmental disaster um, that mm -hmm. should not be happening because uh, the Brazil, well, the Amazon forest is like the, the cradle of our oxygen. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> we, we get most of our oxygen 
from yes. the Amazon rainforest, in addition to yes. all the coral reefs. So, you know, you think yes. about coral reefs and coral reef bleaching, it's a huge issue. Coral reefs cover 0.0025 surface on this planet, yet it, 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 it accounts for 50% of the oxygen that we breathe. And we're, yep, and coral reef bleach, and coral reef bleaching is happening at such a fast pace because of pollution in our waters. Um, and, and that affects, you're talking about um, poor and disenfranchised communities, that affects fishing communities that depend right. on the fish from coral reefs because coral reefs house all these animals. Right. And then you, uh, sure. and it's just one, yeah, one big circle. And it just, it, go ahead. I'm sorry, I you. Go. No, no, it's just one big circle. So it really affects every part of the planet and, and every living thing in our planet. And so I think it's important that, you know, we, we close our segment with saying a couple of things that we can do on our daily habits, um, such as recycling, not using straws, um, Reusable bags. The reusable. There's just so many. We could go on and on, right? There's so the box. straws, the reusable bags, um, the recycling, the composting. Uh, we could go on and on about all the things, but uh, we could put um, one of our resources here where we can give them tips and share with everybody things that they can do at home that can make a difference. And if they want to make a difference at a global level, then finding organizations that are doing such things, such as a Clean Water Project, uh, The Edge is one of the organizations that's helping children and it helps also through education, as there are many other organizations doing incredible things to help our planet. So it's just, you know, taking taking action. Yeah, we, we all can change the world together just with our smallest actions. Teaching our kids the importance of protecting the environment is so crucial to our future. Absolutely, and respecting mother nature, respecting every living thing around us. But as our <laughs> ancestors had when, you know, where they respected our earth and, and every living thing around us. So we need to remember that and teach our children that. I think that's core. We want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And um, so if you have any suggestions for topics that you want to hear about, please mention it in the comments below or reach out to us, DM, DM us on social media. Make sure you like, share, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. And what else, Mercy? And please follow The Edge Helps. It's theedgehelps.com. Follow us on social media. All of the handles are The Edge Helps. In there, you're going to see different programs we have, such as our Youth Ambassadors Committee and our Queen Bees, which are making a difference through community events. Thank you, everyone, for watching. This is the I'm Speaking Podcast with Priya and Mercy. So thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.